everyone, welcome back. It's me, Lauren. Um, so today I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the idea of just doing it all. It's not a simple, easy, uh, like, yes, you should do everything yourself, or no, you shouldn't. Um, so I'll kind of break it down. Um, and the best example I can think of is with music, so I'll start there. So with music, you can choose to be in a band, or you can choose to be a solo act, um, and which one is right for you is very much an individual uh, preference, I think, and, and not just like, oh, I prefer to be around people, or I hate being around people. It's more than that. Um, it's about the type of music you're doing, it's about how skilled you are, and I think that we really need to be very honest with ourselves um, when we when we consider that how skilled we are, for example, because we might um, like really do well in like singer songwriter type of music. Like for me, that's what I was doing for a while was the singer songwriter genre, um, and I was doing that by myself. But I'm not great at guitar, and guitar is not really my passion at all. Uh, like, if I can, rather, I would just not play. Uh, and on a lot of, uh, the Panda Forces songs, I don't play. Um, so, yeah, I was doing, um, I was writing and performing the songs by myself for a while. But, um, I've always just really loved collaborating. And, um, just whether it's been being a part of chorus, or a, you know, hobby band that I was in, or uh, whatever person I was dating, we've always done some sort of music together, and a lot of that involved that person just helping me. But it was actually a song that I wrote, and it's our song called A Pact. Um, I was playing it on acoustic guitar, and I was like, no, this is an electric song, um... This is a rock song, really. Just like more than more than what the guitar is. Like this is a rock song. It's not gonna sound the same until it's got drums, backup vocals, and a second guitar and bass. And so my husband and I, Seth, well, we weren't married at the time. Um, but, you know, he would uh, play along with me at times. He one day I was listening to music. He said, "What are you listening to?" I said, "Panda." Uh, no, lie. I said, Band of Horses. He said, Band of Horses. And I was like, that's uh, that's our new band name, whatever. So we ended up like deciding we were going to actually make the band. So it started out with just us, and then we you know, eventually acquired the rest of the members. <laughs> um, but the decision to make that shift was uh, one that came from me recognizing that my music could benefit from other people. Um, and yes, I when I write a song, sometimes I do hear a drum part, a bass line, um, a second guitar, a keyboard, backup vocals. Sometimes I can hear all of those things. But what I'm not very skilled in is theory. So it's not very easy for me to write all of those things. And even if it were easy... It would be very time-consuming, and even if I had all the time and energy in the world, um, getting input from another human being is 
priceless. It's irreplaceable. And um, none of the songs that we have out right now would be what they are, what they are today if I hadn't performed them with another individual. Whether they're songs we wrote together or whether they're songs I wrote in private and then brought to them or songs that they wrote and brought to me. Uh, we have each transformed one another's work uh, very much every time. And um, that is important. And so a part of that is surrounding yourself with individuals who have not only something to add, but have the right flavor for you. Uh, what they have to add is what you want added in. In the early stages of Panda Forces, we either had people in the band or nearly had people in the band who didn't necessarily propel us forward or who would not have meshed well with us or who had different angles, different uh, things in mind. And I think that it served us for the time being, but overall uh, it was stressful and it wasn't always pleasant the way that it is now. So that's why I say it's important to make sure that, you know, you're pairing up with the right people. So um, don't just don't just link up with anybody who also enjoys doing music. Uh, there has to be a little bit of um, distinction there. And uh, basically not everybody is, is invited to the party. And I don't just mean to become your band members. I mean to do music with. When it comes to booking a show, don't put other bands on the bill if you don't like their music, if you can't see them bringing in a crowd or, you know, selling some tickets or at the very least putting on a good show um, to open up with or whatever it is. Don't just have someone on the bill because they agreed to do it. Um, don't write songs with people who <laughs> you don't mesh with. You know, don't collaborate artistically with anyone who doesn't have your same goals whose work you're not, like, genuinely interested in, and I I would even say someone that you're a fan of. Um, like, it's been amazing to see how different my experience is working with people of whom I am actually a fan. Like, um, our old drummer, Alex, um, we actually met because we were, at, we were both at an open mic, and he was incredible. I loved his singing. I loved his music. And uh, we knew we had to be friends. And then we were like, uh, can you drum, be in our band? And then, like, our current guitarist, Nathan, like, Nate does some solo work under uh, My Little Viking is his artist name. And um, phenomenal. He is an incredible songwriter. And I have listened to his, uh, for, he put his first single out, like, officially uh, for the whole world and recently, and I've listened to it so much. Um, so, you know, to have a friend whose music you're a fan of and to work with that person is huge because, um, it, like, if, if Nathan puts up a short clip of a song on Instagram and I like it, I get it. And if there's something I want to change about it, he's usually open and receptive to it. As I mentioned before, you know, the guys, they bust their ass to come to practice. Joey, he has to drive an hour each way to come to practice. That's because we have the same goals in mind. That's because we're the same type of people, you know? So those two things make such a big difference for us now as our band runs so smoothly. And we had fun before. We had a lot of fun. Even um, 
you know, we've, we've had, we've had several different members, you know, I'm not gonna like, I'm not trying to call anyone out or anything, um, but it's pretty much always been fun having Panda Forces, and I always liked the people we were playing with, but, um, at various stages in the game, um, we got more or less accomplished, um, the music had a different feel, etc., uh, I would just say out of all of those different versions of us, this one is the most what I wanted it to be in the first place. This one is the most efficient. It's really enjoyable to have a lineup of people that you get along with, whose goals you share, and whose music you like. Um, so that's a really big one. And then, um, and that just kind of comes into term with like collaborations. But then there's all this behind-the-scenes work, and the question is how much of it should you take on yourself, and how much should you source out. There's one very important role that I'm going to put ahead of anything else, and it is do not pay for an opportunity. I'll almost certainly revisit this concept again on another episode where I'll focus on writing or acting or, you know, other things, but I'm going to put it here too because it is important and it is one of the things I want to most drive home with this podcast. Do not pay for an opportunity. Now, if you were to pay a reasonable price to get into, like, a networking event, that's different. Even like NAM or something, where you might be networking with other musicians. Okay. And it's reputable. It has to be reputable. But... Do not fall into the traps of people saying that they're a service that will uh, look at your music if you pay them money. Don't ever do that. But then, even to take it a step further, I don't really dig the idea of paying to record your music. And this is a personal opinion. It's my preference so I'm not going to quote it like gospel, and I don't want to make anyone mad. If you disagree, that is fine. I have recorded in a studio before. Um, it was paid for by someone else who just wanted me to have quality recording of my music. It did sound good, and it was neat, but I don't do that myself for literally less money <laughs> than it would cost to uh, record even just one EP in a studio. I have purchased everything I need to record from home. And some of these episodes probably have varying qualities, sound qualities as a side note on that, because right now I'm not using my condenser mic or anything. I'm just using my laptop mic. Uh, because we're in the middle of recording our, our first full-length album, and so, like, the recording situation is just all a mess, so it's easier for me to use my laptop mic right now. Uh, sometimes I'll use the condenser mic, and maybe it'll sound a little better, but uh, the laptop mic is actually pretty good uh, for podcasting, just not for music, obviously, for obvious reasons. But anyway, I just felt the need to add that in in case anyone's listening and is like, if she has recording equipment, why doesn't it sound professional? Um, if you listen to any of the uh, music we have out there, it was recorded at home. Now, Panda Force's first EP, A Couple Hundred Years, was not recorded by us. It was recorded 
um, by a friend, Tommy Patton, and I thought he did a wonderful job. Um, he did all of it for free. I baked him cookies, I think a couple of times going over there we brought him fast food or something. Um, but most of all, Tommy, I, I believe he wants to really do this. This is what he wants to do, is record people. Maybe, like, have his own studio or something. I don't, like, I don't want to speak for Tommy. I haven't spoken to him in a while, um, and I don't want to be incorrect here. But, um, our guitarist at the time, Mason, was, uh, like, best friends with Tommy. And so, firstly, being best friends with someone often warrants you a favor. But also, Tommy recognized that he was trying to build something and that it wasn't really time to profit. It was time to learn and uh, time to build a portfolio. I'm going to loop around to that. Don't worry. Um, but anyway, aside from that, um, if you listen to uh, Miranda or... <laughs> geez, I guess Miranda's the only one we have up yet, but there are more coming. <laughs> Miranda was recorded in our house. If you listen to anything on my personal music page from a hundred years ago, those were recorded at home. Like if you go to my YouTube page, um, I really hesitate to link my YouTube page. It's very embarrassing. But if you really want to check it out, it's youtube.com slash she plays guitar, the number two. And yes, I know the name is stupid. I made it when I was 13. <laughs> so if you, if you find any audio on there, like that was recorded at my house. And, um, I've gotten better at it through the years. I've also gotten better at, at music over the years. And then now much of what we do is produced by my husband, Seth, and he's very scoped with it. Um, and then it also helps to have input from all of the bandmates, um, who all have their own unique experiences with recording in slightly different ways than what Seth and I have. So, um, point being... Though, if you listen to any of that audio, it sounds really good. Um, maybe this is a little bias of me, but I would even wager to say that most of it sounds radio quality. No, I'm not saying it sounds as good as it would if it were produced in a professional studio, and that really greatly depends on who's producing it, too. Um, but it sounds good enough, and that's my point. I have friends obscure hipster friends <laughs> who recorded their demo on a tape deck. And that was what we did when we were younger. Like, when I was a kid, I used to record cassette tapes of me singing. Um, and so, like, back then, before this the digital got really big, like, people in bands, before they would pay, you know, hundreds of dollars at least to record in a studio, they would record their shit on a, on a tape deck. You know, send that send that off and just try to get, you know, uh, signed. Try to get played somewhere. And um, so I'm not saying anything against people who want to pay money to record and have the money. Um, but it's my personal belief that if you are to make it as a musician, then before you know it, um, and I say before you know it jokingly because it can take a very long time, but you know, if you are to make it, if that is your destiny, 
then you will get signed, and when you get signed, you will not have to pay for studio time, right? Like, that's going to be part of the job. And uh, I don't, again, like, very cool people who run studios, like I mentioned to Tommy, I want him to succeed, and I don't want to take away from his customer base when I say all this. And again, like, studio time is also a really great gift if you have an artist in your life who you're looking to get a gift for. You know, if that's what you want to do and you have the money, then by all means. I guess my point is that I don't really feel like people should be scraping their piggy banks and breaking their backs to go get a professional quality um, sound recording when they're not professionals. And a part of uh, that is that music gets put out on other platforms now. So before you were just recording a demo, now you're recording a single that you are literally publishing through DistroKid or CD Baby or whatever it may be. Of course, you want it to sound good. Otherwise, um, it's probably not going to get put out on a lot of platforms and also people aren't going to listen to it. And heck, we can make money that way now. Not very much, but we can make some. Then, to sort of loop that around full circle, like, I also don't believe in charging people for your music until you're really working at it. And if you want to charge people, like, here's my, here's my personal experience. Again, you do you. But, um, okay, our... All of our music goes up on to Bandcamp, where you can buy it for free. Bandcamp has the option to set your price at their at um, donation, and if you set your songs at a donation setting, then individuals can put zero dollars in or any amount they want. So, you know, your broke friend from high school can download your album for free, and your grandma can download it for fifty dollars if she wants to. Um, I really like this method, and even I've even seen bands in real life, in person, um, offer their um, demos for donation. Like, and there's been people who like even let you donate food or, you know, any item. Uh, bands who are touring need food, need uh, hygiene items, need you know all kinds of things, might want alcohol, whatever you've got on you, and I think that's a really cool idea too. Now, you may notice, like, hey, your music's not free on iTunes. Um, that's not an option on, we use DistroKid, and with the way it's set up, you pretty much, if you want to, I think if you want to change the price, you have to have a higher level membership, don't quote me, I might be wrong, but I just remember they're not being an option, or they're not being much of an option to edit the iTunes category on DistroKid, and we have the most basic version. So if you want to buy our music on iTunes, it does cost money, but again, it's also free on Bandcamp, and you can also stream it for free on Spotify and on Apple um, Music or whatever, and all those options. So um, that's how I feel about pricing music, and just to kind of circle around and sum that little section up, I don't really feel that it's necessary or appropriate to, like, scrape your piggy bank, put out a bunch of money to try and 
make your art, but I don't also feel like it's appropriate to um, try and charge people an arm and a leg for it if you're nobody. Um, and unfortunately, music is just one of those things where you just can't walk on the scene and do that. I don't know much about painting or anything like that, but um, I have experience with music and with writing. And I'm here to tell you, if your name isn't big, if you don't have something out that people know that they like, they're not going to pay full price like they would for their favorite artists. Um, just in general, that's not usually how it's going to be. And, you know, I believe in hard work, and I believe for earning your place and uh, working your way. I don't, I'm not one of those people that believes that just because you made something, you're worthy and you deserve to be paid full price for it. I'm just not. And, you know, that shouldn't insult anyone else because I'm the one here who's making the music. And, you know, I feel like, yeah, I'm putting my heart and soul into it. But if our music is good enough and it's worthy, and we are working hard enough to build a following, interact with our fans, book shows, maintain a presence, like continually pump out music, all of the things that are important to make to functioning a band, we're going to make money in various ways. Example, we have t-shirts right now. I charged um, what I thought was like a fair price, and most of our profits are only going to be a couple bucks. Like I think a t-shirt we make either $3 or $6 off of uh, each sale, depending. It's not a lot. The point is that um, it's a little bit of money and it puts us out there and it puts our name out there. Um, and then again, like with Spotify, we don't make a lot of money off of that, but it puts us out there and it's a little money. And like, if we really got a good following, our Spotify would start making more money. Uh, we would start selling t-shirts and those $3 would add up. And at that point, um, I kind of feel like that's the time to say, okay, like we're somebody and we can charge a little bit more. We can afford to charge a little more for, you know, because there is value to a name. And when you're nobody, unfortunately, you have very little dollar value. Doesn't mean you're not making something great. It doesn't mean that you're not, you know, the next big thing, but it means you're not the current big thing, <laughs> and um, I don't think it's fair to act like you are. I don't think you can start anything day one and say, here I am, pay me. Um, we usually have a lot to learn. When I listened to those early recordings um, that I mentioned from when I first started recording myself singing, I think, um, you know, these aren't bad and most of the songs are pretty good but I had a lot to learn and uh, there was a lot I didn't know. I can't imagine having charged 20 bucks for an album. <laughs> when I was doing the singer-songwriter thing I actually met another musician who was asking people $10 for a CD that had I think two songs on it. Something crazy small like that. A CD that he made by himself and again, like, it was laughable. It was like, that's not appropriate. <laughs> I think it really tarnishes your reputation, too. Because any time that we mention that guy, the people in my inner circle, 
we are laughing. We're either referencing his freaking $10 two-song CD or whatever it was, or we're mentioning how he basically stalked my friend. <laughs> another story for another time. But it's unfortunate because he was an extremely talented musician. But he was just very unstable and very arrogant. So I think that because we are in this time where it's easy and even encouraged to self-produce, uh, people feel like that means that, well, I'm doing all the work, I should get paid for it, and um, people can just be kind of deluded about it. So I think it's really important to check yourself, humble yourself. Do you really, just because you did a lot of work, it doesn't mean that you are somebody, it doesn't mean that you know anything, and I think one of the best things you can really do for yourself is to recognize that you don't know anything, or at least recognize when you don't know anything. Don't be so pressed on proving yourself. Uh, don't be so pressed on being a professional or seeming a certain way. Seriously, show up to new things like a new person would. Show up on your first day of recording. Offer your new song for free. Ask for advice. Ask for collaborations from people who, who know what they're doing. And, you know, if someone has something to offer you, tips, advice, a little bit of self-awareness for you, or I guess, I don't know if we should call that self-awareness, but, you know, if someone wants to tell you constructive criticism, I guess that's what I should say, take that shit, listen to that. Don't just write that person off. Don't be shitty to that person or be mean or rude to that person or act arrogant like you've got it all figured out and you don't need what they have to say. I, that's a really good way to lose your friends. Uh, let me just tell you firsthand, having been put in that position, when you try to offer constructive criticism to someone who is sharing work with you or someone who is doing work for you and is new at it, you know, you should be able to offer that criticism. And when that person rejects it, and not just rejects it, but is mean to you or is unkind to you, uh, it really damages a relationship greatly. This happened to me recently. I had someone doing something for me artistically, and uh, someone who is a very close friend, and um, they were acting extremely unprofessionally, and um, were completely disregarding my feelings and my opinions, and it was for me, so my opinions should actually be the ones that matter the most, you know? And I did everything in my power to, like I said, be constructive, to be polite, to avoid conflict, and this person was just so bothered by me insinuating that I had any knowledge that they didn't. Um, they were so bothered by me not letting them run my product like they were so insulted that I wanted something done a different way um, that they actually ended up being very unkind to me and it and it actually damaged our friendship and I, I don't know I mean things are weird with that person now I'm trying my best to just put it behind uh, but it's hurtful it's really hurtful so 
And that leads me into my next point, and it's a really difficult one. Don't do business with your friends. This is the second time I've had a relationship, a friendship, suffer because of a business arrangement. And it sucks because both times it was someone very close to me. And you think those are the people, those are your people. Those are the people who've got your back. Those are the people who who care for you. Those are the people who are looking out for you. Those are the people who you should be able to trust more than anyone. But I'm here to tell you that everyone in the world wants a piece of the pie. No one is an exception. And you really, really need to be selective on who you let do what. And I'm going to tell you my new rule of thumb. Because I think after two real fucked up situations that did not end relationships but seriously damaged them versus several successful business relationships with friends, I think I've really finally got it figured out. Do business with your friends who are professionals. Don't do business with your friends who are not professionals. So, like, one of my very best friends is a graphic designer, and she did my wedding invitations. She has done, we used to work together, and she did some work for the shop, and the only payment she got was her time on the clock like she didn't get a special bonus for that and she did she deserved it but my point is that when she was doing all that she was about to graduate school for graphic design she knew what she was doing and not only did she know what she was doing like in terms of art and in terms of how programs work things that you know amateurs don't don't know but on top of that like she knew how the business worked and now that same friend is still a professional graphic designer. That's her job every day. She uh, works on graphic design. I don't want to say in too much detail. I don't know if I'm supposed to say what she does or not. Um, I really hope one day she'll come on this podcast and we can talk about it. But point is, she works for a big company doing actual art for actual uh, customers every day. That's her job. And um, I will definitely feel comfortable doing business with her again. Because she is a professional, there's no misunderstanding about whether something is a favor or not. Um, From the very beginning, if I were to ask her to do work for me, or if she were to volunteer and offer, either way, I would ask her, of course, how much are you charging? And this friend has done things for free. She probably would again. But I'm not going to assume that, um, and I'm not going to expect it, of course, and I'm only going to hire her if I can afford, you know, what she's, um, what she feels is a fair charge. Let's say some friend of mine offered to produce our band a song. The mistake that I would never make again would be assuming that they meant it as a favor, Um, I would ask how much they're charging every time. To be clear, in the past, the people who I had drama with, who, like, basically tried to screw me over, first of all, offered to do the service, and I don't just mean offered, like, hey, I can do that for you. I mean, like, hey, would you please let me do this? Or unsolicited sent me, um, something they were working on. I mean, these were not people that 
you know, just made a, propos a business proposition. These aren't people that I sought out. These are people who made it sound like they wanted to do something for me to be nice. Okay, so it was a reasonable assumption that they were just doing it as a favor to build a portfolio, to be nice, um, as a gift. There were various situations. That, that was a lesson really learned. Going forward, never again. I don't care. If they said, happy birthday, for your birthday, I'm going to record a song for you. I do not care. I would still say, thank you. How much are you charging me? Do not ever assume anyone is going to do something for you for free and talk about payment before anything gets started. So, and that's especially if you want to work with people who are not familiar with the business. If you work with someone who does something for a living, and I don't just mean like they've decided today that that's their career now, but I mean people who actually pay their rent doing that job, um, I find it very unlikely that you're going to really have that kind of a problem because these people know what to say, when to say it. They know how to take the lead. They know how to make things clear. And most importantly, they don't get emotionally attached. Um, like, if it's not a good fit, they'll simply say, you know, I don't think we're a good fit for this project. Um, but, you know, I like what, I like your music or, you know, I appreciate your you giving us a shot, you know, or whatever. Um, people who aren't professionals are going to get emotionally attached, are going to um, be selfish and put themselves first. Uh, but when you're a professional and that's what you do, you understand how to cut the emotional tie and say, hey, you know, this isn't really working out for me. I don't, I don't think we should continue uh, having a business relationship. Uh, that's kind of how I try to say it. Uh, <laughs> but... It's a really tricky, difficult situation, so be very careful. So, all of this episode is kind of to say that should you do everything yourself, should you rely on people, it's a very murky, confusing, difficult situation. I believe that you should seek out the opinions of everyone, as I've mentioned before. Opinions are good. Feedback is good. You know, I believe it's great to expose your art. Get yourself out there. Create an audience. Um, get constructive criticism and take it. You know, and I think it's really good to find the correct people to lean on. You know, like having Tommy record that first EP for us was a huge resource. And uh, it's it worked out really well for us. And it was a great thing. But... That wouldn't have worked out right with everyone. So accept help and ask for help. But do so, you know, selectively. Even if it's free. I mean, do not take free work from anyone if you don't think it's going to be a good match. If you don't think it's going to turn out like you want it. Figure out what you need done. Figure out what you are good at. Anything you are skilled at, do that shit yourself. Anything that you can get other people's input on. Take it selectively. And then when it comes to money, you know, don't put out money if you're not earning money back. Don't put out money for an opportunity, you know. Um, like, don't pay to do your job, right? You shouldn't pay someone else to do your job. And then don't ask an unfair um, thing of others either. If you are just starting out at your craft, 
do some things for free. You know, if it's your band's first show, play a wedding for free. Uh, open up for free at a, at a show. Play some coffee shops. You know, don't form a band, practice for a week, and decide that you're professional and deserve to be paid like a professional. Don't put out your first album without receiving any constructive feedback, without receiving any professional opinions, and try to charge 20 bucks for the album. You know, don't be that way. Um, you know, I think really, really figure out who you are, where you are, and what's appropriate, and really be selective about who you let in, and then do it welcomingly. Um, so I hope, I hope that helps. I know it's a little bit all over the place, but those are kind of my, uh, experiences, and if anything, I want to help, um, keep others from making the mistakes I've made, or making mistakes that are commonly made, uh, in our industry, um, and just remember, there are a lot of people out there trying to take advantage of the fact that our careers are not guaranteed, like, there are a lot of people who know just how much we all want to be musicians, and they prey on that, uh, so be aware, be savvy, um, be an advocate for yourself, but also, you know, be humble, and yeah, go forward and make some great art. Alright guys, have a good week.